welcome everybody to yes yet another episode of boxes and lines i'm here with my partner in crime mr john ramsey speak do it do it john hey Ronan, how's it going oh this is the first time he hasn't done a shit irish accent upon intro <laughs> welcome to boxes and lines so nice to have you on our podcast there you go yeah, now i, I feel comfortable and we're, we're it's joined expected mm, go ahead <laughs> We're joined today with a special guest, as always, but a very special guest. We're here with Erica Karp. She's an authority on sustainable finance. She's a CEO and founder, singular founder of Cornerstone Capital. She told me um, I'm just a co-founder, so I, I think that's the first one up on me. Well, welcome, Erica. We, 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 we appreciate you joining. We'd love, like, first, first question to ask you just sort of as an intro as to how did you come to found uh, Cornerstone? Why? And just had enough of the, the 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 big wheel of Wall Street and decided to shake things up? You know what? You always have to shake things up a little bit. You always have to find a way to be kind of just the right amount of uncomfortable. And uh, and so for me, like I love learning, I love investing. And uh, when you find a new kind of discipline in investing, which is the analysis of ESG factors, you got to go for it. And so the more and more I learn, the more and more, frankly, alarmed I became about what's going on in the world, and the more impatient and the more certain um, that this is the future, simply. Sustainable and impact investing is just investing in a better way. Yeah, and and so let me fill in the gap since Ronan neglected to give any of your uh, biographical information. Here uh, Erica, you were you actually had a fairly significant job at USB at UBS. Sorry, USB, um, for a while. Job, before, <laughs> thank you. I have not been drinking, <laughs> and so I imagine it was a fairly cushy, well-paying job. And yet, what what in the hell possessed you to just chuck it all and start this company on your own? It must have been kind of a scary thing to do. Well, let me tell you, um, I don't consider it cushy. I was working my ass off every day, (laughs) trying to get better and faster and stronger and smarter. Being an entrepreneur sometimes feels like jumping out of an airplane and kind of making the parachute on the way down. But the issue was, like, when you know you've got something right, and when you know there's something that that is a need to do, something that needs to be built, sometimes you just got to do it. So that's what we did. Cornerstone, it's a different business model than existed on Wall Street. And it's really exciting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Because when we, as a group, I guess, created IEX, John, John comes from the SEC, speaking of like cushy. <laughs> that was not a cushy job either. Let me tell you, Ronan, I could tell you stories. They're, 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 not, they're yeah. my regulator now. So they're very, mm-hmm. very yeah. hard workers. I agree. We, we did the same thing. We were working our asses off at RBC, but yeah, you're exactly right. We, we didn't fully know what we jumped out of the plane to do, but we kind of figured it out along the way. So our original business plan pivoted quite a lot, you know, landed us where it landed us now. So I guess for listeners on the podcast, I know it's, it's the ABCs to you, but could you explain really quick, you know, when you say ESG, what you mean by ESG? Sure. So the, the, the letters stand for environmental, social, and governance analysis or factors. And there, here's what's, where some people get it wrong. I mean, ESG investing is a, is a phrase that's used. There's actually, it's not a thing, ESG investing. ESG analysis, that's a thing. And then you can do any kind of investing you want, i.e. sustainable investing impact investing, double bottom line, triple bottom line, socially responsible investing, 
It's all just investing. But if you do ESG analysis and you figure out how those factors, given whatever industry, whatever company, if you figure out what matters, what's going to affect, what's going to affect revenues and costs and risk, then you can have a better risk-adjusted return. That's, the, again, the future of investing. Well, what, one of the things that I think is interesting <clears throat> is the extent to which a lot of this is really investor-driven. I think a lot of people, when they think about the concept of ESG, they imagine that this is involves a, a protocol and a set of principles that people in some think tank somewhere have dreamed up to try to make the world a better place. A lot of this really is very much investor-driven, isn't it? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the issue is investors who kind of give a damn about the world and who may be uh, particularly aligned with some issue like gender equality, obviously climate change, uh, education, infrastructure, food systems, the ability to know what you care about and then learn that you can invest in such a way that you get competitive returns plus a positive impact on what you care about. You know, that's what's coming to the fore. We can do that. And you can do that with good ESG analysis. So whatever you want to call it, uh, values-based investing, faith-based investing, right? This is this is what it's about, aligning values and, and assets. Absolutely. So from, from when you founded your company, and I, I could be speaking complete shit here now, so just go along with it if I am. <laughs> That's a not. fairly common common phenomenon on this podcast. No, but, yeah. but, but what, I, what I would say is like definitely over the last several years, more and more and more, when we talk to like pensions and investment firms, they actually have a mandate now where a percentage of their investments have to be in the ESG products. So they're not just, and maybe they're re relying on people like you for the analysis, they're actually making those investments. Have, have you seen that grow or did I just make that up? No, no, no. We've seen that grow. Sometimes we'll call it a carve out, like a piece of a large endowment or foundation or pension. And I got to tell you, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because the reality is, like I said, we're talking about an investment discipline. If you can get the same or better returns based on doing ESG analysis, why would you not? So I actually think it's kind of obscene that all money is not invested using ESG analysis. And when I say it's obscene, I think it's actually breaking a fiduciary duty. And I think boards of directors of pension funds and endowments and foundations that are not deploying this methodology are, are actually, they shouldn't be investors. It, you, you hit the nail on the head there because when I hear people say like they have a mandate of X percent on ESG, it almost sounds to me like almost in the vein of a charity where if you can invest and get the same returns or, or more on doing good, like it's, it seems like an absolute no brainer to me. And ha has that uh, tone changed over time? Whereas I guess long winded question is, was it perceived at the beginning doing ESG was more tree hugging than actually investing or what's your thought there? That's, that's exactly it. So it was, you know, 30 years ago, it was ideological and it was pedantic, and it was divisive and politicized, and so it wasn't going mainstream. And in fact, when I started you know, 12, 15 years ago uh, to get involved in sustainable investing, I think people were like, oh my God, like Wall Street's coming to sustainable investing. And yes, because I didn't make it ideological, I made it about you know, pragmatism and enhanced analytics. 
And that's what it is, you know? And then you decide what your values are. Like personally, I kind of like smoking, drinking and, you know, um, gambling and even, you know, firing a gun now and then, right? Uh-huh. And so, well, yeah, you come to the right go. place. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> and hopefully we do it at the same time, all those things, right? But the, the point is my values, I'm not gonna project them on someone else. Right, I'm going to find out what an investor wants, and then we'll we'll bring them there in the way that works, in the mix that works. But this really is something that's very much is been motivated by, and but we we actually recently on our podcast we had both Elise Walter, who I know you know, and Meredith Cross, former Court Fin director, um, and we we talked to them about this topic as well, and they both sort of stressed how much of this is kind of investor driven, and and some of it is not. I gather not just the uh, whatever additional psychic benefit is gained from feeling like you're making investments that are helping the planet or or more sustainable, but in in terms of actual long-term investment for investors that are investing for the long term, there really is a connection to more reliable returns, as you sort of hinted at, if if you're taking appropriate account of climate issues and a whole raft of other kinds of issues, right? So this is all, this is all very kind of nuts and bolts expected return based on a long-term investment also. I mean, that's exactly it. This is about, and now with COVID, this is why it's particularly timely. We are seeing data that ESG integrated funds are doing better. They're outperforming. And that's because if you think about ESG, right, you're thinking about the G in particular, by the way, governance, first among equals, right? Yeah. And so if you think about governance, it's a proxy for, for quality, for innovation. Uh, it's a proxy for uh, resilience, arguably. And that's why now is exactly, you know, the time for what we're doing. So, you know, sustainable investing means you're buying stocks that hopefully are positioned really well for the future, right? In particular, solving the problems of the future. And by virtue of that, they are growthier, they are more innovative, they are gonna recover faster when we do have a recovery. The time for resilience, you know, it's it's showing up in investment portfolios and strategies right now. And, and by the way, if you don't, you know, ask, let's say a, a, a food company, about issues of safety and supply chain and auditability. If you don't ask a semiconductor company about access to water when they're putting up a fab, if you don't ask a restaurant or hotel company about uh, how they're dealing with the potential for human trafficking, if you don't ask a media company or a tech company about sexual and gender-based violence, you are absolutely missing material risks, all right, to revenues and costs. and. And, um, and then on the flip side, opportunities are enormous when it comes to sustainable investing. So this is just simply a must have. And I'll tell you something else. Great investors, without even knowing it, without even thinking about it, they've been doing a lot of this analysis. They just haven't had the language to say, yes, I'm an impact investor. So really, we are talking about pragmatism here. As I, as I hear you talking, pragmatism also is de-risking, right? So uh, I'm, a, I'm a sustainable investor now, John Ramsey. <laughs> Congratulations, Ronan. You've come a long way. Just in the course of this short podcast, you, you've grown a lot. <laughs> yeah, but 
just from the standpoint of your, I'm, I'm curious from the standpoint of your, the services you provide to your clients, do they come to you with a list of kind of existing investments that they have or, or proposed investments and ask you to provide an analysis of those as to how they stack, on, uh, stack up on various different measures? Do they come to you asking for recommendations of particular investments that will meet certain kinds of criteria? Is it either or is it both of those things? And can you talk a little bit about just sort of the range of different kinds of advice you provide? It's both of those things and more, right? So we'll be talking to a family or a foundation or an individual. And sometimes we're really starting from scratch. They may have had an exit event, right? And so we're starting from scratch. Sometimes we'll work with them on their investment policies, their asset allocation, and then we'll source and diligence different strategies for them. So that's, that's kind of starting from zero. A lot of times they do have a portfolio and we will analyze it and make recommendations for going forward. In some cases, it's a smaller portfolio and they want kind of a global thematic equity uh, solution. And so we actually have a mutual fund that we can work with on that with them. Uh, that's called the Cornerstone Capital Access Impact Fund. So it's traded under CCIIX and we can use that for smaller clients. So really it's across the board. We also have an impact measurement framework that people seem to absolutely love. So they can see what their portfolio is, uh, is going after in terms of the sustainable development goals. And again, we publish a good deal of thematic research that allows you as a client to really get the best thinking and find the best funds in terms of both performance and mission. So it's it's pretty broad impact investment platform that we have. So Erica, I was perusing your website and I noticed something that's sort of near and dear to IEX's heart, the Access Impact Framework. And we noticed it was tied to the UN's SDGs. I'm not sure if you're aware, we were on a UN task force for about 18 months on the SDGs in uh, digital financing. And I, I have to say, being Irish, I'm a natural cynic. And when we first joined it, I was wondering what in the name of God we were doing. But as we said in meetings, and it's kind of to what you said earlier on, it's like, if you're, if you're putting your, your brain power, or maybe not my brain power, or work ethic <laughs> at doing right, it's, it's actually a good thing. It's like a noble thing. You can, you, you, you can look in the mirror. We had a lot of fun within our company, too, embracing the SDGs. We, you know, we did a whole employee, what do they call it, John? Like a blogosphere or some sort of stuff. And we, we, we put a lot of stuff together on SDGs. I don't but, know. I think I missed that one. I just, yeah, yeah. You, you probably went home. Mm, and it was 4 sorry. o'clock and you went like, you're like the yeah. fucking Flintstones. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so... So Erica, <laughs> sorry, that's probably the longest <laughs> leg into a question. What, what is your access impact framework as, as it relates to like SDGs? And I believe you've, you've some sort of investment vehicle around it. Mm -hmm. So the access impact framework is, is, uh, is intended to give investors, families or foundations, whatever, an idea of what are they doing with their money? Where is their portfolio kind of uh, trending? in terms of what, what purpose. So is it you know, gender equity? Is it climate? Is it water? Is it education? And so what we've done, and, and by the way, I should say that the UN SDGs and I've worked with the Global Compact and it's wonderful, but the SDGs in and of themselves are uninvestable, right? They're too big. And so what we tried to do is be, again, pragmatic. And so we looked for the single common denominator around the SDGs. What do you need for all of them? any of them. And the only single common denominator we saw 
was the idea of access. So if you want to access women's equality, well, you also have to find access to education, to water, to healthcare, to capital, to broadband. And so there's a, there's a complexity, right? The interrelationships are critical. You can't access anything without accessing multiple things. So what we tried to do is we did create an algorithm that's based around access. So from the sector level, the industry level, sub-industry, company and manager, we look at the elements of access that you're getting to what you're, you know, you're closest aligned with. And then we're able to create a heat map for our investors to say, okay, you told us that you know, water is your key thing. Well, you're not really exposed to water investing. So let's work on that. Let's update your framework. And then if we, if we have a client that wants kind of a global thematic thing, that's when we'll go right into our mutual fund, which gets you that balanced, sustainable global thematic liquid portfolio. That's a relatively recent vintage, as I recall, Erica. Is that right? That you, you, I remember talking to you about the time when you were launching this fund. Uh, sound is like a, a really innovative, interesting project, but that's been fairly recent. Really, really well, actually. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, John, do you, do you, have a, do you have a question? I do. I do, Ronan. Um, I, you know, and let's it's go. Around... This, this should be good. He's been waiting <laughs> for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, I, I, well, this may even be kind of an obvious one, but obviously all of our lives have been turned upside down by current situations we're living with the pandemic and, and all of the stresses that folks are under. I, I would imagine that it has to have shaded and affected people's view of ESG investing in some ways as well. I'm interested to get your perspectives about that. I even saw in my email that, uh, that you guys at Cornerstone have a and advertising a webinar specifically talking about that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, we've been doing more and more lately. I think we have to. Somebody had asked me, oh, so ESG, that's like a trend and it's kind of like a bubble. And I said, no, it's simply an investment discipline. And by the way, if anything, it's getting more and more important right now. And it's what we talked about, like innovation, transformation, resilience, right? So if anything, it's getting more important. And in terms of some of the webinars and conversations we're having, you know, a lot of it relates to big global economic picture, income inequality, gender and racial justice. And the reality is when it comes to the, the so many thousands of deaths, huge disproportionate, you know, harm to the black and brown community, you know, and, and so it's bringing about these issues of income and wealth inequality structurally. Like who are the heroes now, right? Is it bus drivers and it's the, you know, it's the subway workers and it's the food service workers. It's like, you know, they're the heroes now and obviously, you know, the front line. So a lot of stuff is coming to the fore. How do we use AI as an example with regard to contact tracing, right? How are we using Zoom the way we are right now? How do we do uh, remote uh, learning? How do we do remote healthcare? Like all this stuff, this is, these are accelerating big time. And so we're not going back to what was normal. We just have to figure out what is transformational, right? Yeah, how to do it the right way too. Like, I, sorry, John, I was just no, saying, speaking go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, 
I know, Erica, you have three children as well. I'm not sure their ages. I have a 16-year-old girl and a 15-year-old son. The homeschooling has been difficult in that uh, it just depends on the on the character of your kid, right? So my daughter is predisposed to really get after her work and embrace it. And she's just basically said, look, it's like just having more homework to do. And my son's almost like, hey, it's like the summer. When people say this will be the new normal, I'm like, oh, Christ, we're going to have some people out there who just are, are, are not educated near the way they would be when they're at school. But I, I completely agree with you. We just need to figure out the best way to do it. Exactly. How much of that homeschooling are you doing yourself, Ronan? I find it kind of hard to picture how that would work. My, my, my lovely wife is she's a, she's she should be canonized as a saint. Well, I've always said that just being married to you, Ronan, she should be canonized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning a lot about, you know, Zoom etiquette. So what I know is like, okay, so it's okay to have my kids and any animals, totally fine to be in the frame. It's okay to be drinking whatever you want and not really wearing business attire. It's not okay to, to have anyone be able to see up your nostrils. Not okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I think it's appropriate to, for the most part, wear pants. But well, that, exactly. And I was going to say, Ronan looks like he's well attired. He's not wearing pants at the moment, right. but you know, it's not really anybody else's. That's okay. Well, let me ask you this. Like, let's, let's go back to the, the nostril comment. Why in the name of Christ, do fucking laptops have the camera now so low? They used to have it at the top of the screen. They have it low where it's pointing right there. Like it's insane. Oh, how stupid is that? I have to put yeah. my, you know, I have to put my laptop on top of a stack of books so you're not seeing up the nostrils. Yeah, it's it, not it just makes no sense. Oh my god, you have to see a Saturday Night Live gig. It's called, it's called uh, if you circle SNL, it's called Let Them Drink, right? And it's Let such them drink. A funny Let them drink. And it's about yeah. like after a long day, whatever we do, just with the kids, even the babies, just let them drink. Oh, I saw that. That was hysterical, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, we, 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 we all need release. It's okay. <laughs> so ne next question for you is a question we ask all our guests and we put you on the spot. Uh, what's your favorite Wall Street movie? It probably is. Going back, it's probably Wall Street. You it's know. funny that is that is definitely the most popular answer we always get it, it was a great movie you know it's 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 like anything you're you're not rewarding greed but it's just it, it was it was a pretty prolific movie it really was because there's you know whenever something like is like new and different and done so well i don't know if you guys have seen the movie parasite yeah fantastic i never saw anything like that yeah, me either. It's yeah. funny. The first 30 minutes, I was turning to my wife. I'm like, why did John Ramsey, because he did, tell me how great that movie was? Well, that's and right. I can't believe I have to tell you about it, Ronan. I think it probably yeah. already won the, won the Academy yeah. Award by that point. Yeah, that's probably why you told me, because mm -hmm. you're a winner picker. But in any case, <laughs> it actually was. <laughs> then I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's so different. It was really, really good. Yeah, so on so many levels, both kind of the exploration of class divisions and just the personalities were so incredible. And the cinematography point that that scene towards the end with the, with the flood and the cascading water over the stones and it was just beautifully done. Settle down, John. <laughs> <laughs> I said it was a good fucking so, movie. Okay, right. I'm just you reminded me Erica, of it, and I. Th th thanks for taking us down that tangent. That was that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. 
So have you, have you, have we anything else to ask Erica or say to Erica besides thank you so much for joining our podcast? I'm sure we'll get more listeners as a result because John huh? and I are not pulling them in anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you usually <laughs> offer some kind of parting gift, Ronan? Oh, do yeah. I have to, why yeah, do I have to prompt you about this? Because I want to see if you're paying attention. Your mm -hmm. eyes are drooping right. there. Yeah. yeah, generally, when if, if, if you're in our office and you're more than welcome to come by, please God, when we all get back, we present all guests with their very own pair of IEX boxes and lines socks. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. I have to, I have to tell you, they're, they're very comfortable. I and want. If I had a pair on me right now. I'd put my feet in the air, which I normally do on this, but I, I'm not wearing boxing line socks today. They're great. We'll make sure. We'll make sure you get them. I want to put them out there and send them, and I will quarantine them for three days, and then I'll wear them. <laughs> Good <laughs> put idea. Them in the Spray microwave some Lysol on them for thirty seconds, and then they're okay. Yeah, you know what's what's interesting is my, my well. I don't know if it's interesting, but my wife volunteered to go food shopping for an older couple in our neighborhood about three weeks ago. You know, she dropped off the food on the doorstep and then the, the lady came by and dropped us an envelope of the cash for the food that we bought. And she had put them in the microwave for 30 seconds. <laughs> and that's what she wrote. And I'm like, I'm like, I guess that'll kill any coronavirus. I don't know mm. if it does. Uh, but, yeah. uh, anyway, I took the money and put it in my wallet immediately. Yeah, I will have to tell you. So it's so interesting with cash. So I have a, an envelope with lots of cash in it. Took it out to bring out here. And it's kind of my clean money. And so I won't go to a store and spend less than $100 because I don't want any change. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I give them my bill and that's the end of it. Yeah. I've, I don't know when the last time I've used cash is. I just kind of like automatically go to my credit card. This well, that I think this may definitely accelerate the push toward a sort of more cash-free method of. But the thing is, do you wipe off your credit card when you get it back? That's a good question. And now that you mentioned that, no, of course I don't. So now I'm going to obsess about that for the next. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I, I do that. Yeah. I wipe off my iPhone case that I keep the credit card in. Mm -hmm. Every time I get back in the car from going to a store, my wife laughs at me. I take a whole dose, do it with my hands, do the credit card, steering wheel, and then I do my face. And they're like, what are you doing on your face? I'm like, well, if they say it goes in your nose, I'm not going to put it in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Did that once, paid the price. Yeah. John, mm -hmm. you learned something today. Wipe down your <laughs> Thank card you. for the love of Christ. I'm going to go stick some, yeah, stick some liquid up my nose to decontaminate. Okay, yeah, I could have gone the wrong way. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Erica, I'm so sorry you've had to endure this, but it's you are okay. such a wonderful, wonderful guest. Yeah, it was really, really a pleasure having you on. We appreciate you doing it. What we've tried to have a little bit of fun. We're not making light of the crisis that's going on, but like we're right. all at home. We understand exactly what you said. I mean, we have employees at IX whose spouses, significant others, partners are nurses, doctors, yep. uh, bus drivers, and, and you're absolutely right. I'm sitting in my house complaining that I can't go down to the bar and like throw back a few with my friends. We're not experiencing anything like these people are. So we, we John and I always say, we're just, we don't take it for granted. We're having a little bit of fun from a remote as are you, and uh, we, we appreciate you coming on. And it's, it, uh, uh, honestly, and I'm, I'm not a full of shit type person. I, I really do love what it is that you are doing. It's it's definitely it's definitely valuable. And you can actually make money doing it, John. It, uh, really? <laughs> uh, well, maybe I should think about that then. Yeah, no, definitely.
Well, thank you. Well, we appreciate you. Over and out for Boxes and Lines episode. Over and out for Boxes and Lines. Oh, Jesus. He had to get in his bad Irish accent. (laughs) Thanks very much. Much appreciated. and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only. And IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc. All rights reserved.